Good afternoon to you all. Now we're on to chapter 17 and it will deal with uh, health and illness and this is really um, all about a field called medical anthropology which is um, probably the fastest growing field um, of all in anthropology and has plenty of uh, applied dimensions. Uh, many uh, anthropologists who go into this field also get a uh, degree in uh, Masters of Public Health and so in this chapter we're going to talk about cultural understandings of health and illness, treatment of illnesses, uh, political and economic influences on, on health, and this is very important, uh, especially when we begin to talk about health uh, disparities, and then uh, important kind of health conditions and diseases that we see around the world today. Um, so medical anthropologists are increasingly realizing that biological and social factors need to be jointly considered if we are to reduce human suffering. <clears throat> that is, there are obvious biological causes for uh, illnesses, but uh, social factors play uh, a large role, whether it has to do with uh, living in crowded uh, conditions um, or, for example, having low status versus high status. These affect your um, probability of contracting a variety of different kinds of illnesses. Um, ethnomedicine is a traditional field of anthropology. Uh, it has to do with health-related beliefs, knowledge, and practices of a cultural group. And so one could actually do a, an ethnography uh, just focusing on the ethnomedicine of a, a particular group. Uh, and uh, ethnomedical studies can be done in any kind of a society. Uh, and, you know, typically uh, there's a belief that, you know, ghosts and other supernatural agents uh, cause illnesses. And uh, people you know, believe they've seen ghosts and they know what they can do. And when you tell them, for example, from your perspective, uh, from the West, that uh, there's uh, germs that cause uh, illnesses, they say, well, we can't see germs, uh, and uh, but we can see and know of ghosts. And so you kind of get these conflicting views. Uh, and uh, the job of medical anthropologists is to kind of work with people to integrate uh, kind of scientific knowledge into the causes of health and disease. Um, very frequently, if you look at ethnomedical systems, um, the concepts of balance or equilibrium are really important. You look at the Greek uh, and European kind of four humors uh, and them uh, causing uh, various illnesses like blood, phlegm, etc., etc., or yin and yang uh, in, in, in Asian, especially uh, Chinese uh, medicine. Uh, you find out that, uh, you know, the, these, these forces, these entities, uh, that inhabit the body, characterize the body being out of whack, uh, and a cure would essentially restore the equilibrium. It is, it's a fairly common uh, ethnomedical belief. Also, uh, supernatural forces are, are implicated, uh, and uh, these are obviously um, culturally uh, specific. Uh, but, you know, what is taking over the world now in terms of effective treatment is a ethnomedical perspective called you know, the biomedical uh, paradigm, uh, which essentially uh, focuses on um, uh, the, the actual causes of illnesses uh, in terms of um, uh, things such as cancer or um, um, bacteria, viruses, uh, things of that nature, and how they interact with social conditions to either kind of stop their spread or enhance their uh, flow through uh, a particular uh, society. Um, and take a look at the, um, uh, that highlight on page 392, 
try to uh, prevent and cure malaria uh, in a Central American country, and certain cultural assumptions that um, uh, medical anthropologists had to kind of fully understand before they could begin to develop an effective means to uh, safeguard the community against the ravages of malaria. Uh, they believed that shots were better than pills, so they didn't, weren't interested in taking pills. Brightly packaged pills were superior to plain packaging. That is, uh, you know, something pretty and, and, and well packaged was, was thought to be more effective. And then also costly treatment superior to cheap uh, treatments. And so uh, as you read through that section, you notice they had to kind of like understand the cultural context before they began to develop an effective uh, a treatment program in the area of public health uh, in regards to malaria for these people. Uh, medical um, practitioners, uh, shamans are, are pretty well um, universal. They diagnose and um, uh, treat disease um, and uh, they're typically members of the community uh, in a closely knit sense. And then we have, you know, the standard physicians. And again, they're essential, but that they tend to uh, occur, obviously, uh, in uh, more recently in human history and um, in highly developed uh, nations. Uh, and here's an example of, you know, uh, a shaman uh, and uh, kissing uh, her, her niece. And you see that the shamans are kind of more intimately um, uh, related to in, in, in the culture, in the social system. Um, and uh, typically, or, or sometimes I shouldn't say typically, uh, they're not really paid anything other they're just there to help. Uh, and so they kind of engage in these pro-social activities and they have uh, quite a bit of status as a consequence of their uh, ability to diagnose uh, illnesses and to, uh, to cure them. And uh, here are the kind of, you know, uh, mechanisms used all over the world in terms of uh, when, when an illness presents, uh, the naming process, the, the shaman. Uh, will we'll, uh, diagnose uh, what the uh, uh, problem is or what was causing the, the problem that people are having. Typically, it's a supernatural uh, sort of cause. Also, the uh, personality of the, of the doctor or, or the shaman, uh, empathy and interest in the welfare of the individual is something that they show as a personality trait that makes them more effective. And again, uh, in these small-scale societies, uh, you know them intimately. They may be a relative or an in-law or something that uh, your, someone that your parents grew up with, so they're not like a stranger as they are in our system. The patient's expectations, uh, that is, um, once the you know, illness is, is named, uh, there's kind of an understanding of um, the, the healing process and what may be uh, done through a variety of different kind of uh, curing techniques. And, um, you know, a lot of this is, is kind of like what we call a sympathetic magic. Uh, there's a kind of great uh, faith in the um, effectiveness of the, um, of the shaman. And uh, so it puts the um, person who's ill in a better state of mind uh, because they kind of have this trust that everything's under control and that there's someone out there, uh, the shaman, uh, who's properly diagnosed the illness and is on their side and uh, is going to uh, cure them because of their effective techniques. Um, this is an important section in the, uh, in the text, the political and economic influences on health. Uh, people with more social, economic, and political power in a society are generally healthier. No surprise there. They can uh, live in cleaner environments. They can afford um, uh, better medical care. Uh, one really great study 
uh, the Whitehall study um, conducted by Marmot, looked at people uh, in England who uh, were all treated by the same entity, the National Health Service, because of universal uh, health insurance in England. And what he discovered was that um, high-status people had fewer illnesses uh, compared to lower-status people in the um, you know, English uh, bureaucratic uh, system. And what um, he discovered was that uh, the low-status people, because they were low-status, uh, suffered higher levels of stress, which made them more susceptible to um, a variety of different kinds of uh, uh, chronic uh, illnesses, such as uh, heart disease or even, even cancers, uh, which really surprise a lot of people. And a lot of it had to do with, uh, for example, uh, and we're beginning just to kind of um, um, understand this more fully, um, hormone secretion, especially uh, cortisol, which is a uh, stress hormone that dampens the immune system, uh, that is, harms the body's ability to fight up disease. And so uh, this is, you know, um, a really important study that's been replicated uh, around the globe showing that one social status uh, in terms of, you know, having a lot of power versus a little power uh, can make a large difference. So in socially stratified societies, the poor usually have increased exposure to disease as well because they live in crowded uh, conditions, or their environmental concerns in terms of um, clean water supply are not taken as seriously as people who live in better areas. Uh, a good example, for example, would be uh, Flint, Michigan, uh, with a problem of lead uh, in their uh, water supply. Um, and importantly, the underclass experience more stress and has an effect on their, on their health, which is you know, pointed out in this uh, Whitehall uh, study by Marmot. Uh, some you know, current uh, health conditions and diseases, AIDS or HIV, the difference between AIDS is AIDS is really a set of symptoms. HIV is an identification of the virus that causes uh, the problem. Uh, also, uh, mental and emotional disorders. Uh, for example, in this country, uh, depression and anxiety, especially among students, uh, is uh, you know really increasing at really high rates, and we're really kind of not sure what's going on here. Uh, but uh, these emotional uh, disorders are not evenly distributed uh, throughout the uh, the globe, um, and and so some societies uh, we we find the concept of um, um, uh, anxiety. Uh, really not an important or prevalent um, issue in other societies it, it is. And another one that's really uh, important in the United States is becoming uh, more more evident is depression. Uh, uh, but you know if we look in, in small-scale societies, tribal societies, depression really isn't uh, an issue. And the depressive disorders have a lot to do with um, poor social support or lack of social support. And then uh, also undernutrition, uh, which uh, if your body is not um, supplied with what it needs, uh, your immune system is not as uh, effective, uh, and uh, so you have problems uh, dealing with the illnesses, especially young children who also have to, uh, to grow and develop uh, and also uh, fight off um, uh, illnesses. And so undernutrition, whether it's general caloric intake, uh, calories per day, or intake of um, protein, fat, or micronutrients such as uh, as uh, vitamins and, and minerals uh, are you know implicated in lots of um, health issues. Um, 
you know, AIDS is the leading cause of adult death in many countries today. Uh, changes in attitudes, beliefs, and practices regarding sexual activity are really uh, needed uh, from the, um, uh, you know, use of condoms to uh, kind of um, uh, not being so promiscuous. Uh, and it turns out that uh, married women, even though they're not promiscuous, are at the greatest risk uh, in many of these nations because it's their husbands who may be away from home for a long period of time, uh, you know, will engage in um, unprotected sex and then bring it back to um, their wives. And uh, there's a higher probability uh, that, that, that women uh, will contract uh, AIDS just because of the, the nature of their um, uh, genital organs compared to men, and so uh, this is kind of, you know, interesting uh, that, uh, you know, married women uh, in many places are at the greatest risk for getting HIV or um, uh, illnesses and other, you know, uh, sexually transmitted diseases as well. Um, you know, and so what this has created with the massive death of parents is all these orphans, uh, they, these, um, poor children, uh, who've lost their parents and the social service uh, situation for taking care of, of orphans is uh, really overtaxed in, in these nations. In many instances, um, the clan or the extended family or the lineage will take care of children who've lost parents, but uh, these groups are really stressed because uh, so many of the adults have died, and so this is becoming a you know really serious uh, kind of problem in terms of collateral damage, all these kids growing up without um, uh, parents. Uh, and then we turn to health conditions and diseases. Many mental and, and emotional disorders are culturally specific. Uh, the uh, text talks about susto or fright uh, and uh, how this uh, is a specific kind of uh, condition in, in, in parts of Latin America. And of course, depression uh, in the United States and uh, parts of the West is uh, rarely seen, uh, uh, but in, in, in the rest of the world, but in, in, in the West, it's uh, very, uh, very common. And so this has to do with how, uh, for the least mental disorders, uh, that uh, one, the cultural system can amplify or expose a certain kind of um, a condition that's absent in other uh, social systems. Uh, under nutrition, uh, again, as I mentioned, many of the serious nutritional problems today are due to rapid culture change, particularly when there's an increasing social inequality. And then also uh, part of it has the, to do with the introduction of essentially junk food, uh, calorie uh, foods that um, may supply you with calories but are really deficient in uh, the other kind of uh, nutrients that you, uh, you need, or also provide a kind of oversupply of um, carbohydrate resources that can lead to things such as um, uh, diabetes and other metabolic uh, disorders talked about in the uh, chapter. Uh, here are some basic concepts and terms that you should be uh, familiar with in order to do well in the exam. Ethnomedicine, we talked about the biomedical paradigm, uh, that is uh, uh, taking into consideration uh, biology and, and, and social uh, and economic and political factors. What a shaman does, and shamans are really important people because they identify an illness um, and they uh, prescribe a cure and they have a very kind of intimate relationship uh, with people they treat as opposed to a physician in our own society who uh, we kind of may know a little bit uh, but uh, he doesn't take uh, part in our our social lives uh, he just kind of you know uh, treats us uh, without really knowing us 
Um, the uh, factors uh, involved in uh, uh, AIDS uh, transmission uh, should be understood. Uh, some mental, uh, mental disorders are culturally understood and, 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 and elaborated. Uh, and so um, culture can, you know, bring uh, to fore uh, certain kinds of um, uh, illnesses uh, that, you know, are uh, absent in certain places, such as, as I mentioned, depression uh, or anxiety disorders in the West. Uh, and these things are rarely seen uh, elsewhere, but they have other things, uh, as the textbook um, indicates that uh, we don't have, but they have. Uh, undernutrition is a... Uh, factor in many illnesses uh, and I would add uh, to um, uh, one social status is also a major factor talked about the Whitehall study and so understand that people who have higher status have less stress and better health outcomes whereas people with um, a lower status have greater stress uh, and that has to do with their hormonal uh, profiles that, that lead to uh, greater uh, illnesses and then more recently, um, uh, although you know we're one of the most obese uh, nations on, uh, on on Earth, obesity is spreading to uh, other parts uh, of the developing world, and it's becoming a, a real problem in terms of creating a whole uh, set of uh, syndromes, especially metabolic uh, disorders uh, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, and things of that uh, of that nature. So um, that's it for this um, uh, chapter.